Welcome to episode six of Dark Mode with Ben and Gabe. In true fashion, I am pumped for this installment with our friend, John Stern. John is a prolific entrepreneur who takes Gabe and I on a wild ride into his innovative businesses from an online poker app, a stint as a LinkedIn profile artist with a Microsoft Paint license, and his successful QR code business, Ringpin, that is helping change businesses across the globe currently. We talk, we laugh a lot, but John offers up some epic advice on taking the jump and realizing your inner entrepreneur. Warning, this episode contains some pretty bad art, a few Microsoft Paint references, and is a heck of a good time. John, thanks for joining us on Dark Mode. How are you feeling? Nervous. Uh, <laughs> usually I would thank the host for having me on, but I'm not sure that I'm happy about this yet. I got to see what you two have in store for me first. Yeah, exactly. And maybe there's a link there because you actually drew a really horrible picture of both Ben and I a couple of months back. So we have something to share with you and we're very excited for the next hour of conversation. Do we have to wait the whole, in suspense the whole time or do we show it in the beginning? And See, this is my dilemma. Do I keep you on edge for the rest of the hour or do I show you now and let you have some fun with it? I think you should make me uh, sweat for a little while longer, yeah. at least. We could, yeah, we could. we're going to find a perfect moment in there, I'm sure. So John, would you like to just give us an overview on your story? Yeah, get over the nerves, but I'll start backwards with the horrible profile pictures. Typically I've drawn horrible profile pictures and they all live up to the billing and they're very horrible. And usually after I draw them, I get very scared and I, I wait for the people to reply and hope they don't hate me. And this was a particularly scary one, Gabe, because you didn't write back after I wrote it. And I was like, oh no, what did I do this time? And I looked up your history and I was like, oh, I'm in big trouble now. Tough security expert, all this stuff. And that's why I'm at an undisclosed location right now. So it started off as a joke. I'm obviously a horrible artist and for some reason people liked them. So I started drawing profile pictures for people on LinkedIn. But as you can tell, hopefully that's not my day job because I'm really horrible at it. And I've always been working in technology my whole career. I grew up in Michigan and always wanted to live somewhere warm. So I moved to San Diego as soon as possible after graduation. It's funny, my co-founder is actually here in this undisclosed location. We're at a safe house and, and he's here too. And he moved out 20 years ago also. And we've both been working in startups the entire time since then. And a wide range of things from IT consulting to a poker app, to a baseball card app, and uh omni-channel communications platform. And now using QR codes to engage people more places. Yeah. yeah very cool, John. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about the technology background, because that'll be really interesting to the audience. It's pretty boring to me. So I hope somebody finds it interesting. I grew up working for my dad. He had an IT consulting company. So at a pretty young age, I was helping doing networking and very basic computer setup for, for networks back in the day with on-prem systems and all that type of stuff. So I moved to San Diego and then I started my own IT consulting company, basically just cause it was what I knew what, how to do from growing up, doing it, working with him. And after a few years, I realized I wasn't super interested. I liked the flexibility. I liked building a business. I liked being able to work with a bunch of different companies in different industries and, and solve different problems. But I'd go into their office and they'd say, oh, the computer guy's here. And I'd be like, oh no, I'm not the computer guy. I'm, I'm like helping you do other stuff or unlocking new stuff. So I got out of that and got more into kind of like the sales and marketing aspect, but there's always been a technology component and they've all been technology companies, but in, in our current company, I'm the non-technical founder. So I, I prefer to stay out of the weeds and, and trust the people that love that stuff. But I'm always fascinated by technology and, and trying the latest things out there have always been up on what the latest gadgets are and, and all that. Now you go from, oh no, the, the computer guy's here. So oh no, the sales guy's here. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason it feels better. I don't know. The computer guy just never sat well with me because they all had these server rooms and these fans were blowing and it was loud and I'd be back in the server room and 
the whole system would be down and everyone's breathing down my neck. Like, when are we going to get back up? When are we going to like, oh, this is horrible for everybody. Yeah, under uh, pressure. But I, I like being under pressure, but I didn't like doing active directory installations and all the type of stuff that go along with kind of the nuts and bolts networking. My 90% of your listeners would agree with you that they don't want to do active directory, but that's probably like that 10% that are still sitting there holding on to it. Like, yes, we're still doing active directory. I hope that you have some int- some listeners that are interested in, in this kind of nuts and bolts networking, but I like trying to use the technology to solve problems. That's how I like doing it. Hey, John, tell us about now, I've said this a few times in preparation for this episode, but. I want to give Ringpin a plug here because prior to the pandemic, QR codes were grossly underrated. Like I remember five or six years ago, I was helping a company, a startup design some swag. And I was like, guys, print a big fat QR code on the back of this and drive your traffic from in real life to the websites and use that as a funnel and an amazing customer journey. But just everyone was like, what's a QR code? What is this big squealy thing on the back of a shirt? What do I do with it? I'm like, point your camera at it, guys. Come on. And so long behold, the pandemic strikes. And now everyone's like rolling around their phones and even security implications. And there's all sorts of funny stuff going on with them. But you actually leverage the power of QR code technology in your day job, right? Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. And I think you actually put it mildly when you said underrated, because most of them, most people hated QR codes here in the U S. So it wasn't that they didn't know them. They did know them and they hated them and they had some bad story about how they used them and it never worked for them. So (laughs) that was pretty much the common theme. So you went and started a company around it. Yeah, exactly. That's what everyone hates. And uh, the truth is my co-founder wanted to do this for many years and we'd been sending pictures of QR codes back and forth to each other for probably the past five or six years. And we just didn't think that we could make a viable business out of it. They had a really bad reputation. They had three different waves where people had tried them back in the early nineties or mid nineties. Then again, like around 2000, then again, 2008. So they had these little times where people thought they were going to work, but Americans were never going to download a separate app to scan them and, and all that stuff. So really two things came together, the pandemic at the same time that all the phones were able to scan them natively. So kind of those two factors together created what is now you see QR codes everywhere and on Super Bowl commercials and on the t-shirts and uniforms, like you said, and at the conference that were at this undisclosed location, they were at every single booth. And so they, they really, it was forced adoption in the beginning. And, and we officially started the company in March of 2021, but we really started it in March of 20, just trying to see where we could help people, where the problems were in the industry. And, and we didn't want to create just another QR code platform. We really wanted them to be kind of action, actionable sites that were driving people to and not static pages, like most QR codes, like just taking someone to a PDF or to their menu. We want our pages to be populated by data from the real world. So like the location of where it was scanned, the time it was scanned, the person that scanned it or the product that it was on, they can all have different experiences when they're scanned. So we don't just go like to a static page. We try and build an experience based on any of those factors around it. And now we see a, a bunch of brands wanting to experiment about it. And the people that I used to get hung up on when I talked to them about QR codes, a couple of years ago, now they're reaching out to me inbound saying, Hey, when can we get this started? Yeah. So there's been a huge shift the past couple of years. I certainly want to engineer up a QR code on this episode and just like plant it on the front page of LinkedIn or something. I could do it in about 10 seconds. Uh, Amazing. If oh, you good. wanted to do the dark yeah. code, uh, take your, let me just take a screenshot of you two right here. We'll have it by the end of this one. Yeah, awesome. Hey, one thing I love in what you were just discussing then, John, was experience. I think you mentioned it about five times, right? And that is so important to have the right experience front of mind when you're developing anything. Was that by design, the, the experience factor in, in what has now grown into the business? I think by design or learning trial by fire, basically, because when the QR code started, people thought, oh, I can just put a giant QR code on anything and, and people will scan it, but people don't just scan it unless they think that they're going to get value out of it or a good experience out of it. 
So we learned from what wasn't working in our initial cohort of original customers and, and build more custom experiences and really personalized experiences. And that's where our differentiation is from the other providers is that we have an API and a spreadsheet upload so that our data can always be fresh when we, when someone scans and create those personalized experiences. Cause without it, I don't think people are going to scan because they, what's the, the benefit to them or what's the value if it's just a boilerplate page, that's the same for everybody. So it, it really is key to, to personalize it and have the experiences be dynamic based on the, the time, the place, the product, stuff like that. John, could you give us an example of what the best experience would be around that journey? Yeah, there's a lot of fun ones. We did some, we helped one of our customers at Coachella. They put a QR code on a bus that rode through Coachella and you could scan the QR code and take your selfie and post it onto social, tagging the brand and the concert and everything. So that's a fun use case and it's topical around the event and you can have it branded for the event and all that type of stuff. So that's a real fun one. Another cool use case, we're working with a real estate company and they're putting the QR codes on all their signage nationwide. And when you scan it, it geolocates you and then it shows you the properties based on your location that you must be interested in from where you scan because we plug into their database and there's always new units available and everything like that and which property manager to contact. So it's a really good experience that like, hey, if you want to see a property, you can scan the code and you can see the up to the minute what's available and what the unit looks like and all that. I think those are fun and personalized. It's got to be one of the best lead sources, so to speak, if we speak business terms, because it's one thing to have a big marketing campaign, for example, and say, Hey, everyone, come and listen to dark mode, search dark mode into Spotify, right? It's quite a laborious ask of someone because we all live in an attention deficit these days. And it's like, when am I going to have the time or space to even remember those instructions, let alone pick my phone up and go to the app. It's like, if I get to point my phone at something and go to the page that I want to, you literally reduce the amount of clicks there for the user. And that's actually, I would say the most valuable thing you can give to somebody. Yeah. Reduce the friction and make the experience easier and better for them. And you're an athlete, like you could put a QR code on a scoreboard at a sporting event. And people could scan it and order their food and have someone run the food to them instead of getting up and waiting in those long lines and stuff like that. There's so many ways that it can make people's lives better. And really the ones that are going to survive and that people use are going to do those things that reduce the friction and actually provide a value instead of just like a boilerplate website. Yeah, absolutely. Quickly, John, I want to throw this in there. If anyone's interested in checking this out, I think it's really valuable. How do they find you? Where should they go? Yeah, there's a QR code that I have for myself, but uh, ringp.in. So that's ringpin slash J-O-N. That's my personalized page. And you can text me from there. You can book a meeting there. We also, a fun use case, we were in a viral video last month on YouTube that got over 4 million views and they flashed our QR code really briefly in that video. And that first hour we got over 5,000 scans. So that's exactly what you said, Gabe, about going from a podcast or a video or whatever, you can make it really easy to do a digital activation or take someone to another experience from there. So we saw the power of these YouTubers, how they can get so many people to another app or experience instantly really with their following. Yeah. Amazing. And this is actually what I love about technology is all these advancements to humanity, the user experience, and just using these digital interfaces to make our lives better and more enhanced. So it's very cool to speak about this on dark mode. If you want, I can spin up your dark mode QR code page right now. And Absolutely. if you have a way to make it your background or anything, let me, uh, give me one second. If you want to ask one more question, it'll be done in a minute. While you're going through that, John, in prep for this meeting as well, I was talking to a friend of mine, I didn't realize, but his sister has some learning difficulties and some speech impediment, and she uses QR codes for pretty much her entire life. She's got a book of QR codes that she knows she can use her, the native integration on her phone to then dial and talk through text to a triple O call or uh, goes to her parents or it goes to wherever she needs to, but she's essentially got a book of QR codes that she uses 
to live her life. And I thought that was a really cool application of QR codes that I had never even contemplated before, but it's affecting people's livelihoods that don't have the same, or that they might have some learning difficulties or some, some impediments or, or something like that. But it's just really bringing life to people that they can use with native integrations on something they carry around with them daily. That's so cool. I've never heard of something like that before. It's, it's amazing. And I would love to, if there's anything we could do to help, I'd love to get involved. There is one that we just started, actually just had the call this morning where they're going to help refugees and they're going to have artists paint murals on buildings. And next to that, there's going to be a QR code and they scan the QR code and it's going to take them to job boards where they can help them get jobs. They can get other resources and basically the art is going to be the attraction. And then there's the QR code for the resources right next to it, which kind of like Abe said, it's a lot easier than having a phone number on the side of a building yeah. or a web address or something like that. Hey, uh, while you're going there, I've, I never knew what QR stood for in QR code. I hope I'm not the only one. So I'm just going to go through what it is, right? So it's the quick response code. It was developed or invented in 1994 by a Japanese automotive company. And it's a barcode that is machine readable optical label that can contain information about the item to which is attached. I wish I had learned that earlier. It's one of those things. It's, I learned this on TikTok the other day, you know, the popcorn bags and you put them in the microwave and it comes out straight away and there's a little hole in the bottom, that little hole in the bottom. If you shake it beforehand, all the unpopped kernels come out. <laughs> These little things that I didn't realize, like QR code sense and quick response code just makes so much sense. Love it. Did you watch the one where the woman took the filter out of her dryer for the first time? It got like 30 million views on TikTok and no one knew that there was a filter on your, your washing machine. Yeah. yeah totally. Yes. I'm going to drop it in the chat here. I created your QR code. It's obviously very simple. I just spent a second on it, but here, if there's, if you want to share it with your users, the one link that it has is to follow your podcast, but we can customize this page. I think it would be great to have a video of two together, putting it on there, but we can add all your social, anything you want that, but that's how quickly uh, we can spin up pages and experiences. We have a no code page builder, but then it plugs it into our API and it can populate all these pages with data. So when we get done, I'll show you how to get in there and, and you guys can maintain your own page and add different links or embed the actual episode into the page. It's really easy to do. So we've helped a few other podcasts with these pages and then they put them as a link in their bio and all that stuff and makes it really easy for people to follow them and, and like the podcast and everything. That was two minutes. It took you two minutes to launch that up for an experience. Well, I was mostly just trying to not show that I was doing it while on camera. So I could have done it much faster. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, John, surely it's going to look better than your pictures. Well, everything does. I appreciate you, you both calling me out every time and making sure that you let everyone know how horrible they are. Uh, I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old and everyone's like, oh, you should have the kids do it. And I was like, no, everyone would know that the kids did it because they're so much better than mine. This could actually be the moment, Ben. We do the I, grand I, reveal. Yeah, I'm going to get it up. Give me two shakes of a stick. And the yes. background for those on the audio is, if you don't know, Spotify does actually release video files on the recording. So check it out as we do share screen here, but we'll also link QR coded in and show you what John has drawn. So this yeah. is Ben. Ben, what do you, how do you feel about this? Look, I feel like I, I was really impressed at the start. And the more <laughs> I've looked at it over the last couple of days, I really feel like one, I feel like I need some, I need some dye in my beard and my hair. I love my nose. You've done a really great job of the angle correction in my nose there. It's been broken about 17 times. So <laughs> I appreciate that. And it makes me look a little bit younger. The next one I'm going to throw up here for those that are listening is an Im image of Gabe that John drew for us now. Oh no. I got a I'm excited about this. With, with, as John mentioned earlier, as soon as he drew it, Gabe didn't write back. So <laughs> John was straight on LinkedIn to me like, man, I think I've messed up here. Yeah, Gabe must be really upset with mine. Oh, you know Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And I just want to say, I actually hail from a very regional part of North Queensland, yeah. Australia, John, and you have got the rat's tail absolutely on point here. The little side bit of hair that's coming out past my right shoulder, yeah. totally accurate. I had that hairstyle. Absolutely. I'm very grateful that you've really enhanced the green in my eyes because 
although I'm Italian, I have quite dark features. Sometimes my eyes go a little hazily. So I actually really appreciate that. I'm glad that there's something that you could find in it that you appreciate. I'm a little embarrassed having seen these now in front of me. I try and like draw them and then forget about them as soon as possible. Particularly seeing both of you on the screen next to these pictures. I think they're even worse. Horrible might not be a strong enough word. Any other comments, John, on now that we've given you the flashback on your drawings of both Ben and I? I'm just really scared what's next. <laughs> so I've decided that it's time someone gave back to you and this is why <laughs> drawing a, a view that I'll, <laughs> so this is my give back to you, John. I feel like I've nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Though you do look like you have quite broad shoulders there, John. Well, yeah. Probably Maybe I do. <laughs> if you send me this JPEG, this is my new profile photo. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's, and you also, something else I've done here, John, is, uh, <laughs> but for this episode. It's just really important to have it there and, and, and John at the end, right? This, and you know what I've really been impressed with? This has been 30 years of using Microsoft Paint has come to fruition. This was my golden moment. I've been waiting for this for so many years and, and Paint has just come through. It's just one of the greatest apps of all time. You just, but, you also put me to shame because I've drawn over 400 of these pictures and you just did one and you nailed it on your first <laughs> one. Really, I'm just really impressed. It's unfair though, John, because Ben is a creative genius. Those are remarkable. I think if you, I didn't have the ability to go pro, but you do. You could really make a living out of this, Ben. I'm, I'm flattered. John, do you want to tell us why you started the, the horrible drawings? Sorry, they're really great drawings. Yeah, I don't know if we refer to them as horrible because yeah. again, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder and it just depends on who you ask. I think they're brilliant. My mom says that to me all the time. Yeah. My parents are, what are you doing? These are horrible. But it started as a joke, like most things in my life. And, and there was a buddy that I was teasing online and he made a, a LinkedIn post saying, does anyone know of a graphic designer? I have a project for a friend. I need a new profile picture. And he said, and the friend is me. So I wrote him back and I just, right away, I was one of the first responders and I said, Hey, I'm just getting started. Let me know if this meets your criteria or requirements or whatever. And I drew it. It was horrible. Obviously one of my most horrible, it's still up there is one of the worst. And, uh, got like 75 comments in, in maybe a couple hours after I made that post. So I knew that there was an appetite for these and I just didn't know that it was going to take off like that. So then the next day I made a post on LinkedIn, like due to the overwhelming demand, I'm going to start making these for people, but you have to donate to charity to do it. And like, I got over 300 requests or something right away. And just so many of them, and I, it was hard to keep up. And then there's also so much pressure because everyone I draw, I feel horrible afterwards because it, they're so horrible and I'm worried about the reaction. And now I've taken it a step further where um, we send people, as an example of Ringpin, a box of cookies with a, a personalized box with a Woodburn QR code in, on the box that, that takes them to a video of me, like thanking them or, or saying whatever we want. Now I've taken it to the next level and I add the horrible profile picture to the top of the box. And before I knew these gifts were always going to be a home run every single time. And now I send the box and I'm like, oh no, they're going to hate it. So it's just doubling down on them. And I actually think I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but I think that I'm going to retire pretty soon. I've done a lot of them. I think I've, I'm not improving. I think that most people that get wanted one, got one, and I'm probably going to have to pass the baton. Ben, I think that this could be your time. I was about to say, this could be the golden baton pass. That's a lot John of pressure. Well, this is a lot of pressure. It's, uh, I feel like the apprentice to the, to sensei right now. John, how many do you think you've done over the last few months? Somewhere around 400. It was at 300. 20 something like last time I counted and I've done a bunch since then. Yeah. And no improvement. Yeah, well, that I, I think you improved from Gabe's to mine, which was about a minute after. So <laughs> I said the base pretty low though, Ben. <laughs> we did raise like over a thousand dollars for charity also. So okay. it's pretty amazing that people, I was shocked that people were willing to pay for them and everything. So it turned it into a good cause. What started as a joke 
went into a good cause. And I actually met some really cool people through it and even got some business out of it. So it, it was all a joke and ended up being fun. And what I really learned from it is that people on LinkedIn are really like desperate for laughs and any sort of content that isn't, Hey, this is how you sell. They just want something to take them away for a second have some fun. And there are a ton of people on LinkedIn that want to have fun. They just don't know how to do it. And the platform is, doesn't necessarily reward different behaviors or whatever like to go outside the box and experiment. I think it's super fun. And Ben, I think you're the right person for the task if you're up for it. <laughs> and I could send you a couple people. I bet if you just posted what you drew of me and you said, Hey, I'm willing to draw like the next 10 people that comment or something like it'll go crazy and people are going to want your services and, and all those years of Microsoft paint really pay off. Oh, I feel, uh, I've got goosebumps similar to when I watched Gabe's last, uh, goal of the year on YouTube. I might have to take you up on that. And you know what I'm going to need those. I'm going to need some guidance. So I'm going to ask you for a bit of mentorship on the paint skills there. You've got a different brush that I use a lot thicker. So I'm, I'm still, I'm going to have to <laughs> get some tips. So that was my main tips where I never edit and I used to only use one brush size, but I started, I, these features that people have like noses and beards and glasses and hair. It's really hard for me. So I started using a finer needle or, or pen for the glasses and stuff. But I think the more simple you can do it, the better. And I should have stuck to my original one size only and all that. Love that. And so do you use a mouse trackpad or are you using the nipple that sits in the middle of the keyboard on some of the Lenovo? No, I use the trackpad and actually to, I'll tell the secret. I use this program called AutoDraw. I, I just Googled free drawing software that day when my friend asked for a profile picture. So that's why I use AutoDraw instead of Paint. But I think that obviously Paint can do it just as well. And AutoDraw does have these. So my daughter did a couple of them and she's, hey, you can actually make smiles and stuff. But I draw everything originally. I don't use any of the pre-built settings or features or anything like that. It, you can probably tell. So this is, yeah, and this is an interesting link back to, to something that Gabe and I are very passionate about. Gabe does a lot of keynotes around it, is the crossover between psychology and technology. And whilst it may seem like the most basic level of technology impacting psychology, as you said on LinkedIn, people are screaming for a laugh or screaming for a good time and you're using paint or a free drawing tool to bring a difference in their feeling for the day, for the minute, or for Gabe and I over the last three months out of just a simple drawing. It's been awesome. So many people have told me I laugh every time I see one of these, I would crack up every time I'd see the people with the horrible profile pictures commenting. If it can bring people a couple laughs, I'm all for it, particularly there's so much you know, dark stuff going on. And this is the dark mode podcast, like in the world that you can be angry about or sad about and stuff like that. So if there's something that's just stupid and fun, I think it's a great comic relief for a minute. You know, it, it actually reminded me, Gabe, if you do a lot of keynotes and stuff, we've helped people put QR codes in the background for their speeches. And then people not only can follow them or interact with it, you can also get trending online where people can scan the QR code and it has like a pre posted, like a uh, tweet or something like that with you tag saying, Hey, I lo I'm loving Gabe's speech. Make sure you follow along here or something. And you can have, if you have a big audience, you can get trending on social using QR codes. Also, I think it can get you away from looking at that picture that I drew. <laughs> I'm happy to <laughs> offer any service. Yeah. I want to show you something, John. I recently thought I would get really creative and create an NFT of Ben and I. So I've gone and created one for you as well. Oh my God. I would also like to show you, I'll start off with Ben because he's the best looking of the bunch. Pretty good. Not bad. Massive catfish. Yeah. Massive catfish. <laughs> Here I am, but nice. you know, Hey, hey. wow. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. You guys, I mean, it takes you one day and you're already so much better than me. This is really embarrassing. <laughs> 
it's pixelated. It's really no, it's a, a second to throw up. You've done very well. Yes. But for the listeners, if you want to jump on John's LinkedIn, we'll have it in the show notes down below to the left on Spotify and I believe above on Apple. And you can jump on his LinkedIn and you just scroll a couple down in his activity and you will find a plethora of great drawings of, of people, which, which I'm hopefully going to take the helm for. But something else I found on there, John, is, is this legit? It, your 45th birthday was not long ago? Yeah. Um, it's a secret, brother. It's what did you start when you were four? <laughs> <laughs> I think that try and have fun and try not to take life too seriously. And, and that's what I've been doing so far. And obviously in that time, I haven't done any drawing classes or art classes or anything like that, but I try and play sports and have as much fun as I can. And that's what's gotten me here this far. It's definitely the secret to life. I think it's very easy to get caught up in all of the priorities we all have in the day and it can lead us to just crazy stress and running from thing to thing. But I've actually had a big shift personally in the last year where I'm like, if I just take a slight step backwards, so to speak, and not try and cram everything into my day, but focus more on high quality tasks and better quality conversations in the moment, then I'm going to have a far better time. And it's just actually transformed everything in my life. It's been amazing. So it's definitely having that playfulness and just being a good person and taking care of relationships and moving through things quite methodically. I actually have a question about that. Being a professional athlete and everything, you must've been, I assume that you're pretty disciplined with your training and all that type of stuff. Is that kind of a break from the discipline regiment or does it all fit together? Yeah, more of a break for sure. Because when I was playing professional sport, I was also full-time army because of the nature of both jobs. I was able to manage both of them. There's like a reduced tempo period in the army over the Christmas period. And lo and behold, that just happened to be when the women's pro league was being played. And it's a shorter season too, over three months or so. So I was like, great, I can have the best of both worlds here. A mentality that I've always had. And yeah, the training and the rigor that goes into both of those careers was so much. And I literally never, ever had a moment to myself. I remember a coach was like, what do you do in your spare time? And I was like, what spare time? And my friends were like, you're doing too much. I'm like, no, it's fine. I've always done this and operated at this level. But then it's really only since I finished playing sport competitively, which is only in the last year that I'm now like, I have all this time to think and breathe and rest and it's transformative. So yeah, absolutely. And I think I still have the discipline around training and everything, but I'm just not as meticulous about every single day, three hours a day, I have to do this. And so it's really refreshing. It's great to hear. And I hope that helps illuminate to everyone else why I was so scared after the picture, because in the army, <laughs> professional athlete, like this is not the type of person that you want. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's why I was an underground for a while. And I was glad to hear Then I think you commented on a post three months later or something. I was like, oh my gosh, Gabe might not hate me. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I told my wife, I said, finally, I heard from Gabe. Finally. <laughs> We're not in trouble. We don't have to move home. <laughs> what you didn't see in the background is that last three months, you've just been doing total reconnaissance on you, everything, your family. Just I think of the Steve Bush shamey scene from what was it billy madison or, or or happy gilmore where he's in the basement with the people that he was going to kill yeah uh, what people don't realize is that it's actually ben lurking in the background that has all the specialist skills uh, yeah the microsoft <laughs> paint skills that would be hilarious if you were the the army what is it sketch drawing or something like oh, we found the person we need to do it and, and then you you provide that sketch Throw that into the reconnaissance, Ben. Let's launch a total rebrand for the military actually they would like it if you did a, a little profile of the leaders you should, you should try it, draw them and send it in and, and get their opinion. Yeah. I'll probably lose my security clearance real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Ben, do you think there's any like security implications on QR code technology? You can definitely do tracking the metadata that exists from a capture on a QR code. So 
that there is security implications, but as in the past two, three years, we've all become really reliant on QR codes. I'm not sure if it's the same in, in, in the States, John, but in Australia to check in anywhere for uh, contact tracing, all that was done through QR codes. Uh, and then, as you mentioned earlier, all menus shifted to QR codes, which were still adopted. So people are more than happy to use the QR codes without the inherent risk that sits behind, but it really is, it's a means to an end in order to get to uh, user experience from state one to outcome. But yes, there is a uh, security risk that's implied. And I teach my kids about it all the time. It flashes up on the TV and my daughter's the first one to grab a phone, no matter what it is and scan it. And she said to me the other day, can people hack you from a QR code? I was like, my daughter's nine. I was like, you're going to go places, kid. You're going to go. Yeah. Places. That doesn't say we want to hire her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> There have been a lot of stories recently about poor usages of, of QR codes and redirecting people to dangerous links and things like that. Yeah. And but it is possible to do it, but I basically tell people it's the same as links online. Would you click on a link that you didn't know what it was going to do? No. So try and put as much information in the QR code as possible. The other thing that we do is we can um, white label our QR code so they can sit on the domain of the customer that's doing it so that it's a, a known domain. It's the person that you're supposed to be interacting with. They have like their, their logo above it and the call to action. So it all matches up. So I think there are some ways to protect yourself a little bit, but most of it is when back in the days when I was a IT consultant, I used to have to go in and have my safe computing talk with all my customers being like, these are what you can and cannot do on a corporate network. And it's pretty much the same thing. You're not going to click on a crazy link and you're probably not going to scan some crazy QR code that you don't know where it comes from. So I always recommend people check the URL when they scan a QR code and, and make sure it's from the source that, that they think they're interacting with. Beat me to it, John. That's absolutely the way to go. Check the link. And then there are tools out there. And again, this is not a podcast about teaching people to hack, but there are tools out there that you can leverage a stated browser tab. Uh, so picture going to a link, that stated browser tab remains in the 45,000 other tabs you've got open on your mobile device or your PC. Uh, and essentially that is a hook into your system, right? So I say, and, and I do this personally with any QR code I scan, the experience is fantastic. I fill out what I need to fill out. I go from the direct, I make sure the URL is legit or as legit as I can see it. And then I close off all my tabs after. So offering out to the audience that it's great to go on your phone and use the, the, you know, Safari browser, Chrome browser, whatever the native one is, or whatever your flavor of the month is, but close those tabs off. Don't have them just sitting in there, banking up hundreds of tabs open. One, you, you can be hooked and two. All the telemetry that is ingested by your phone is still proceeding into those tabs that are open. So just a, just a shout out to the audience that if you've got about a thousand tabs open on your phone browser, start closing some of them off. Also, if you have a thousand tabs open and you share your screen, you <laughs> will also be tracked by us because how about those worries, Ben, when we're like, how many beers in the fridge? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I probably should do this right now, Gabe, because um, it's embarrassing how many I've got at the top here. I always have that many, but I'm now concerned being on this Zoom with you guys, did you put anything special on my computer? Or am I in any danger here? Time yeah, to that, tell. That's how I got Someone the image. to the door. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually me. <laughs> the undisclosed location, John, think again. <laughs> yeah, I'm two VPNs and we, we don't, but someone did just knock on the door, right? When you said that, but the, you actually brought up a good point too, Ben, some of the tracking and stuff with how Apple changed its privacy stuff and, and cookies going away, there are a lot of advantages and we actually ask our users to opt into telling us who they are so that we can create this profile and we can help them out and give them more personalized experiences because they do identify themselves. And then if they scan one time, the next time they scan, they can have a different experience because we know who they are. We can know who their history is if we're integrated into Shopify or whatever platform their information is on. 
So those are actually a big advantage of the QR codes also if used properly. And we really like to get the user opt-in to collect that data and you can survey your users right there. So it's a really good way to get customer response and information in first party data that they're opting into giving you. Love that. Yeah, that's, that's taking the user experience to another level. I know a lot of people are using QR codes at the moment and it would have been great during the the times of the vid, but just to have that as a recognized device, a recognized user for the similar structure of QR codes to then scan into, that would have been fantastic. But that's great to hear you doing that because the user experience is just elevated again. And we can drive people certain places like a scavenger hunt, say, Hey, you've scanned three of the codes to make sure you go to this store. And if you scan that code, you'll be eligible for this, you know, prize or whatever it might be. You can do some really fun real world use cases with that too. Amazing. I want to engage you, John, for something that we can do at Palo Alto Networks around that experience. That'd be awesome. Bit of an experiential day out with partners. Anything you two need, you have. I'm <laughs> up for these horrible pictures anyway that I can. Uh, so anything I can do. I think that the, the, the agent is gone from the door, so I think I'm okay. But I'm, I'm going to be nervous until we're disconnected and I, I zap this computer. <laughs> it's a bad computer. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to engage you as well, John, because our marketing team at NextGen would love this kind of stuff. And there's QR codes in existence for marketing campaigns, but they're not as experience driven as what you, you guys at Ringpin are doing. So I'm really excited to get that on board and see where it goes. I'll be scared at your initial email, but I will respond and uh, <laughs> help you out any way that I can. <laughs> well, we talk about fishing, but John, I have to say it, catfishing, like your profile picture up in the chat there, it was just like, where's all the curls? You look about 20 years younger. When was that taken? <laughs> so that was actually only about a year and a half, two years ago. I've never had hair. I've had a shaved head for over 30 years now. So I guess maybe this is one of the other things that came out of the pandemic. My yeah. friend told me he thought I was bald and. I said, I don't think so. I think I have a full head of curly hair, and but I never really knew. And now I've already committed to my Halloween costume for this year. So I'm going to be at least growing it through October. So we'll see how long it really lasts. But my wife is like, we just had our anniversary yesterday. It was the last day we celebrated it. And she's like, man, I, I married a, a, a clean cut, shaved head person. Now you got facial hair, you got this mop on your head. What's going on? What did I get into here? Yeah, no, exactly. It probably would work. It's, it's funny. My co-founders here too. We saw each other. It was in the beginning of the pandemic. So we both had a mask on and. He didn't recognize me. We were like eight feet away. We've known each other for over 30 years. And is that John? And he didn't <laughs> even know it was me because no one's seen me with hair before. So anyone, they're all, they all do a double take. I actually just saw one of our customers downstairs and he's, are you the same person? And I, I just remembered now I met him on Halloween last year and I was Bob Ross for Halloween. And I was actually in full costume on the zoom with him and he's like, Ross, I thought you looked familiar. And I was like, I can't believe I was in full costume on that zoom. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you can be in full costume talking to your customers is amazing, John. You got to have fun. And really, if you don't have your Halloween costume planned already for this year, are you really trying? So that's what <laughs> has me motivated for, for this look. I'm going as John Stern this year. <laughs> That's going to be a rough one. Hey, uh, John, I, I was going through your LinkedIn again the other day and, and I love the vibe that you send out on there. One of your, uh, posts was with you and a mate over a connect four board, like a life uh -oh. size connect four board. And the comment was, it was a Rosie prayers quote. And I love this because it's one of my favorites. Uh, and it's from why man can't jump for anyone that hasn't seen it, get on that. Uh, sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you really tie. And sometimes when you really tie, you really win or lose. Uh, and I love that because the reference was you made a friend out of that game, whether you won or lost. I love the vibe that you bring to LinkedIn and it just goes with that comment that you just made there. So I just want to say thank you for that because it's, I, I get a lot out of your posts and, and a lot out of your energy on LinkedIn as well. So I know a lot of other people do on there, but for me to you, I just want to say thank you for that. I appreciate that. That was a rough loss. I take a lot of pride, more pride in my connect four than most things. But if you read closely on that post, that connect four had an extra column. So I don't know if it should really count on my yeah. permanent record. Caribbean. 
Is that a thing? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think so. I started it, so maybe it's a thing. But it, to me, on a normal Connect Four board, I'm very hard to beat. But but Kevin got the best to me, and actually, we came out here to meet him as well. But he was supposed to be here today, and he flew home early. So maybe you have to take some signs from that. <laughs> yeah. John, surely that doesn't count to the record Connect Four. If there's an extra column, that's like Connect Five, isn't it? Totally doesn't well, I was actually trying to connect six on him the whole time and he snuck in and, and, and did it. The weirdest part was like literally the second he dropped his winning chip, the event photographer came around the corner and I was like, how much did you Staged. pay that photographer to that? Like this whole thing was a setup. That was a championship match and you didn't realize. Yeah. Who knows? And he also bought me a drink right beforehand. Like I think thinking back on it, a lot of things were in play that I wasn't privy to and I, I need a rematch from him is the bottom line. I'm going to start traveling with the Connect 4 patch just in case we cross paths so that we, we can challenge. Are you going to RSA this year, John? I don't have any plans to go anywhere this year. We were scheduled to go to CES in Vegas in January and we ended up canceling and abandoning our booth. So because of the pandemic and travel restrictions and all that stuff, I decided not to plan anything in advance this whole year. I don't have any plans to go anywhere, but like this trip that we just made yesterday, we bought the ticket at the last second and we ended up going. So I'm open to going anywhere, but I'm not making any plans in advance. If you leave planning to the last minute, John, it only takes a minute. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's far more effective. I'm going to go to Brazil this summer, but that's the only trip that I know I'm going to do because my wife's Brazilian and we haven't seen her family enough. So we're going to head down there. Nice one. Perhaps an Australian visit on the cards in the future too. You can hang out. I was, I would love to, if I was less scared of you two, I would do it, <laughs> but I would love to visit. We've got a, we've got a new way of doing connect four, which we can show you when, when you're here. So it involves uh -oh. soccer balls. Gabe, you can't play against Gabe, it's cheating. I did score a goal. I scored, I played a, a pickup game in Brazil with my brother-in-law and I scored a goal in the pickup game in Brazil and they went crazy for me doing it. And Absolutely. Uh, that, that is like playing in the pro leagues, by the way. If you want to play a pickup <laughs> in Brazil and you score a goal on Brazilians in a pickup game, you have absolutely made it. It was my pro league. I only, I, I got very tired shortly thereafter. It was very hot. <laughs> was pretty much useless after that. Probably allowed six or seven goals after I scored my one, but who's counting those? And then actually tore my ACL and LCL right after that. So that was like my last, that was my final hurrah for soccer or football or whatever. But as long as you're not in the competition, I would try doing some sort of connect for whatever you get. Oh, I've got to say, Ben's pretty handy in the old football. We played a corporate games competition and Ben was like the star striker. It was amazing. So you, what know, you, you can tell it everywhere. What you didn't see there is Gabe feeding me the ball once she, everyone else had fallen over from her footwork and she just ne needs me the ball and I just drop it in. I saw some yeah. YouTube clips. I was pretty impressed. Thanks, John. Good times. Hey, John, take me back to the poker app. I'm really interested in that and the baseball card app. There's something of my passion at the moment is I have been making a mobile app for some time and, and I just need to commit to finishing it off. It's been sitting halfway through the weeds at the moment, but interested in how you got into the app building and, and what the apps were. Yeah. I'll start way back with the baseball card one. Cause that was in about 2000 that we did it. It was an interesting idea. I still like the idea where we were going to go and we called it e-value cards. And we also owned e-value it where the two domains were basically, a, you could figure out the price of any card available online. So my co-founders is this crazy computer genius. And he figured pretty much overnight, how did a spider every eBay auction and it consolidated them. And we could tell what each baseball card was going for, how it was trending, the recent purchases, all that type of stuff. Uh, so you could search for any card and he, I don't know how he got the database of all the cards. And that's amazing, by the way, like the fact that he could do that is next level. He is next level. He, we spun that one up and we actually never took it to market. We were just about to launch it. And we found this other site that was pretty similar and they were already in bed with the, with tops and Beckett, the company that produced the cards and produced the grading magazines and stuff like that. So we ended up not really taking ours to market. And the one solace that I take from that is the guy that started that site went on to start 
jet.com is the site after that and then sold that to like Walmart for 4 billion. And now he owns the Minnesota Timberwolves. So at least it was someone that he went on and did good things or we lost to someone good, but we actually should have stuck with it. And now during the pandemic, baseball cards and collectibles also took off. So there's a bunch of sites out there that kind of do what we do. And I feel like StockX is a little bit about like what the vision is, where you can take any good and find out what the real value is and make a marketplace for it. So that's where we wanted to go, but we threw in the towel and concentrated on other things. And then it was about eight years later, no, five years later that we started the poker thing. And it started with a poker odds calculator. So you, if you were playing on party poker or any online site, it could read your hand. Again, he did this overnight. We had the idea and he's like, I was up all night. And then he sends me a link and I was like, what did you just do? And it could read all your hands, put it in a calculator, tell you like what your percent chances of winning it, what cards you should be afraid of. We even had advertising that would happen in the middle of it. So while you were playing, people could sponsor ads. And, and on that one, we were looking decent. We had a little spreadsheet. We were tracking how many customers we had, how much we were making, and we were pretty excited about it. And then the U.S. banned online poker pretty much overnight as part of a terrorism port bill or whatever. It got, it got caught up in there. 99% of our users were American. And overnight, they weren't allowed to play online poker anymore. We pivoted to a poker media company for a little while. And we used to go to Vegas and go to poker tournaments and, and interview poker players and celebrities and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. There was a ton of money in the poker industry. So they were throwing huge parties and we saw Rihanna on the roof of the Rio and, and all these crazy concerts and stuff. But really the poker industry itself was a, a landmine. It, it was murky legal wise. And a lot of the characters in, in the space or the operators weren't the best. So they would owe us money for sending people to their site and they wouldn't pay and stuff like that. I actually really love the poker community. And I think it's some of the smartest and most interesting people I've met in any kind of section of society. There's also degenerates and everything too, but there were so many interesting people in there and still some that I keep in touch with now. Actually, I'm still friends with a lot of people that were part of the poker media or whatever it was called back then. And they've gone on to be authors and movie makers and things like that. So really interesting group of people. They all had just a little thing maybe that made them strange or interesting or different or whatever, but really smarter people. So it was fun to be a part of. And then that was really the last project before we started building this omni-channel contact center, which we pivoted into Ringpin when, when the pandemic came around. So three or four platforms and a bunch of, you know, web apps. And really what I've learned from it is they all can work, but you got to stay in it long enough to make it work. And you really need to make sure that it's the best use of your time. Cause there's opportunity costs. It's so hard bringing these things to market. If it's not the right thing or not the right time, you could spend a couple of years spinning your wheels and end up not much further ahead than when you started. So we've really tried to learn from these lessons over the years and, and build something that people really want and make sure that our customers are directing what we end up making for them instead of us like just sitting in a dark room and coming up with ideas. It's amazing. It's so cool to see that entrepreneurial spirit and just like you guys having a lot of fun along the way. And it's, it's awesome to hear. And really cool as well, like developing applications and different methods and technologies there to serve the community. But never, you can never go astray with taking that long-term view really and looking at that time effort payoff as well. It's, it's been interesting and it's, it's really hard to decide because you can get some signals that things are working and you don't yep. know if it's enough to keep with it and things move so fast so you can miss out on other opportunities. So what I found and I've tried to do is really just find people that I like and that I like working with. And if you like the people and you're smart and you're hardworking, then you're eventually going to figure something out. So I try and just work with people that I really like, that I like having fun with, that, that do good work. And if you're in that environment, then you, you can figure most things out and a lot better chance of success if you're having fun, what you're doing instead of just, because it's such a grind. If you're not enjoying it, then you're never going to make it. I love that. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on jet.com. That was a 3.3 <laughs> billion US dollar acquisition by Walmart. And that guy kicked it. his baseball card site was called the pit.com and uh, they're, they're in with tops and Beckett and all the established industry. And I was like, oh God, how did they do that? And it just came out like 
the day we were about to release ours, I found that other site. I was like, oh no, we probably should have stayed in there though. It's easy to say after the fact. That is wild. That is absolutely wild. Hey, John, what, your entrepreneurial spirit, how, how do you, and there's a lot of people in the audience that I know listen that have these great ideas, but what gives you the drive to make the jump? I've always, since I was a kid and when I was younger, I, I've always had my own businesses and I've always wanted to work for myself. You really, I've done it every opportunity I've had, but sometimes you got to go back and rebuild, you know, and work for the man and, and do what you have to do to put yourself in the position where you can take a risk again. And luckily my family's been supportive and I have a little higher risk tolerance than some other people that I'm able to take some of these swings. But I think that once someone gets that entrepreneurial, it, you really got to go after it because you're going to have it forever. And you're always going to wonder what happened. And a couple of years ago when we were starting Ringpin, I, I was thinking about taking other opportunities and I thought I would always regret, what if we would have made that run with Ringpin? What could have happened? And I never was going to regret, oh, what if I took that job? So I felt like I had to do it and see it through and put myself out there and be willing to fail. And cause most people are going to fail and most businesses fail. So you have to be okay with that and have like a backup plan or means to survive if it doesn't work. So I think that if someone's thinking about starting a business, make sure that it works with your lifestyle, be prepared for everything to take way longer than you think it's going to take, be prepared to wake, make way less money than you were making before in your job and, and all that type of stuff. And it's really hard on family and life. So you got to make sure you have the situation that you can take those shots. But if you have that feeling, it's probably not going to go away until you do something about it. So there's ways to get started, you know, real small and real easily. And I recommend everyone, if you have an idea try and do it manually. And if that thing works, then you can build the system because everyone wants to come and build this whole really complicated thing first. And they don't even know if people are going to use it or want it, or if it helps or anything like that. So try to do something like in the smallest form possible and then build it out. If you're getting traction with it. Oh, I really liked that John, because for me, in my personal experiences, I have never learned so many lessons lately around, well, I set out a vision and I think things are going to happen a certain way and you can plan, but the old Mike Tyson quote, things change to get punched in the face or whatever it is. Yep. And it's just so many things change. So you have to have that preparedness to be adaptable as well. And just things can go astray or you take the different path than what you initially set out to do. And secondly, what I said to Ben in launching dark mode, it's like, we're just going to get started. We've been speaking about podcasting for, since we met and had that first flight together, talking about all of our visionary appetite in the world. And it's just like, okay, let's just record the conversations, see where it takes us. And now my goal is I'm really committed to launching an episode every single week for the first year in dark mode. And it's just even the example of podcasting is like, just get started, do it small, do it manual, learn it, and then get to the point where you can systemize it, automate it and the rest. So it's a really good lesson to learn, I think, and I'm learning that every single day at the moment. So it's always a stark reminder for me personally. It's awesome to hear. And I'd actually like to give you one unsolicited tip. If you want to do the podcast every week, like you said, I told you when you asked if I want to be on it, I said, yes, but I'm very scared. And you replied, you should be. Maybe <laughs> we should tell people that it's not going to be so scary and uh, you might get some more guests on and stuff like that. Lo and behold, but, John, you still joined us. Amazing. I did. <laughs> I, you know, I was in New Orleans visiting my sister last week and we saw this t-shirt that said, that sounds like a terrible idea. I'm in. Yes. And you need to get that t-shirt. That's perfect for you. Yeah. So, my co-founder yeah. is like, what is this, what is this podcast about? I was like, I don't know. I think I'm just going to get beat up for 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How the experience, glad. have we met your expectations? Yeah, you exceeded that drawing really, that really got me, but I think it's great. And, you, and you're right. You just gotta, you gotta get started and you gotta get it in people's hands. Cause how do you know if people want to listen to this until you have it out there? Like my co-founder and I were talking about it last night. Like we, we wouldn't know what would work with these QR code things if we didn't fail a bunch of times and didn't see what didn't work. And we had ideas, but until it, customers are using it and putting it out into the wild, we don't know how people are going to respond to it or if they're going to use it or not. So you have to get it out there. And 
really the whole thing, it goes back to, you can't really be afraid of failure. And obviously like those drawings were a perfect example. Like those are horrible drawings and I just put them out there. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like them is because they like seeing that they're better than someone at something. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't afraid to put myself out and it ended up leading to a lot of stuff. I probably wouldn't be chatting with you two today if I hadn't done it. So well, exactly. just facing yeah. the fears of, of failing. Yeah. As you speak there, John and Ben's heard this so many times, but absolutely like the military concept about, uh, and I actually just love talking about this concept because it's called the OODA loop. And I just love saying OODA loop, but it's a great, it's a great phrase, but the OODA loop in the military is where you observe, orientate, you just decide, and then you act. And so it's actually talking about the test, the market, you do something, sense it, see how it goes, adjust it a little bit, improve it a bit, and just keep going and keep acting. So it's served me really well coming into the corporate world because when Ben and I started our cybersecurity business at Nexion Group, we were just like, let's just get going. Let's test the market. Let's see how it goes. Let's adjust. Let's learn. And let's actually then build the systems around that. And it's just such a really good practical way to go about, I think, a lot of things in life. Oodaloop. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny that, you know, <laughs> it seems so obvious, but most people don't talk to customers and most people don't change the plan. They're like, no, this is what we have to do with our company, but they don't take real-time feedback. Yeah. And you need to do that, really. A consistent feedback loop is critical to success. I think we talked about in the last episode, raising kids, that's just the most critical feedback loop you will ever get in life. But it's the most rewarding because how are you supposed to know you're doing a great job unless you're getting that feedback constantly, uh, making sure that they're successful, making sure they're set up for success and, and they want to, they can be the person they want to be without the feedback from outside family or whatever have you, teachers, you're not sure whether you're doing the right thing. So consistent feedback loop is critical. I'm still not sure I'm doing the right things with my kids, but I'm willing to fail there a little bit too and, and learn as I go. Yeah. Mine are nine and seven, John. So I feel you're at similar ages and it's interesting times. That's for sure. Good yeah. on you guys. Go to the dads. Hey John, I also saw that you're a talented rapper. No. Yeah. This is a rap from John and it's kids meals are the best. When the menu says under 12, put it to the test. <laughs> like if, if that's not a verse in the next Dre album, I have no idea. But it's another thing. People are surprised. I've never had a cup of coffee. I eat very strangely, basically just off the kids meal, but that was part of, it was fun. It was a LinkedIn contest. You had to post five days in a row with a different topic every day. And that was my haiku about my favorite food. I was thinking about doing bacon cheese fries, but I think the kids meal kind of encompasses it a little bit better. Cause I can go grilled cheese. I can go mac and cheese, French fries. Well done. Any yeah. of that stuff, nachos. Chicken nuggets. They're amazing. I actually don't do chicken. I can do chicken nuggets if it has like a ton of barbecue sauce, but it's not my favorite. Oh yeah. So a little bit of chicken nuggets with the barbecue sauce meal is basically. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As long as it has a toy. As long as it has a toy. Yeah. Uh, so with, with that, when was the last time you did get a kid's menu? Here's the question uh, for you, right? Does anyone oh, remember the last time uh, a kid's menu? No, we did it. It was perfect. Great timing. Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. We went there and what's nice is my kids eat really well. So my kids order the adult meal for themselves and I get to order the kids meal saying, oh, and he'll take, he'll take the burrito and side of rice and uh, it's for me. And then I like put the plate close to him. So they think that it's him and it's not even the cost that I'm trying to save. It's just, I really want the food from the kids menu. So just Tuesday, we were able to do that switcheroo. And my, my daughter, she doesn't want to do anything wrong. And she said, who's going to say the getting the kids meal this time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Bless the soul. Nothing like a bit of social engineering on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. So just Tuesday, two days ago, we did it. Nice. Well, and definitely not a rapper. I, someone, a couple of people wrote that I'm a rapper, but I definitely not. Well, I think there's another hidden talent there, John. I think you should probably, if you'd hand me the baton for the, uh, for the drawings, you should follow the dream of the rap. Deep, deeply hidden. It's on the interwebs, John. It must be true. Yeah. I did put out one song about two years ago, but I did my best to make sure no one ever saw it. I will find that. 
I'll, can you send it over? That will be the intro music to this episode. I don't even know where I can find it. I, I can find it somewhere. My kids were in it too. So it was a family, it was a family effort. Money don't jiggle jiggle. It holds. <laughs> she actually has been doing Biggie's line now. I guess that's why they're broke and you're so paid. She loves that one. So that's right. <laughs> nice one. What's a LinkedIn bit of banter we could throw out there? Contest, terrible drawings, charity, getting around it. We should start something. I'm all for it. I think your drawings, Ben, I think people aren't I'm, really going to respond. Yeah. Those are really, they get an emotional response. I think that it's going to be really big. It'll make their week, Ben. I would love to see you post that. Here's the thing I did of John. The first 10 people, I'm going to draw a terrible paint drawing of you. All right, I'm doing it now. And tag me, I'll comment on it. And I, you know what I would like to see though? I want to start a little bit of trouble. Why don't you draw Gabe? Wolf. Please. How, how can you? <laughs> how do you top that one? How, how do you top yours, John? <laughs> I'm not even mine's, sure. Mine's going yeah. in the Smithsonian or something. We'll, we'll have to. <laughs> I tried yeah. my hardest to permanently delete that file. But uh, I, I permanently <laughs> saved it. Actually, they're the fun tattoo. Yeah. So that's the RSA, John. If you come in into San Francisco in a couple of weeks, I'll be there. And a few beers, we could probably both get each other's drawings. I met up with both my sisters last week and we almost got matching tattoos of Pop-Tarts. And we didn't want to get, they had all these drawings online that you could do. And I was like, no, I'll just draw the Pop-Tart. It's going to be a cinnamon Pop-Tart and we're not going to have a bite out of it or anything cheesy. So <laughs> I was pretty close to getting matching tattoo. Who knew that you needed like to book the times in advance and everything at all the tattoo parlors. So we didn't end up getting them, but you're not too far out of the realm of possibilities, Ben. It doesn't work for us disorganized folk, does it? Things in the, the, the <laughs> yeah. It really saved me because I, I was going to draw a really poor Pop-Tart. My next one, I feel like if there is, when we walk past a tattoo parlor that is able to do walk-ins is Clippy. Do you remember Clippy? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Clippy would be a great tattoo. You've signed yourself up for like multiple tattoos, like every episode with guests, Ben. You're going to have a face for soon. It's going to be great. I'm going to have an entire other sleeve on my arm that's free of just Amazing. podcast memories. Yeah, for sure. If you give Gabe and I any space, I would love to collaborate and we could come up with the tattoo idea for you. Oh, that's dangerous. That is dangerous. It is. It's exciting at the same time. Similar to how John felt. Coming into this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Frightened much, and excited. Much more scared than excited. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. John, to wrap up the episode, we love to ask guests to share their best dark mode story. And what does dark mode story typically involve? It's really, it's, yeah, it's really up for interpretation. Okay. You can share as much or as little as you, you can go full creative license. Yeah, had, we've had some folks share a story about a dark mode platform in the, in your daily life, LinkedIn, the back, the background is dark mode. We've had some folks share pen testing, sneaking into rooms and, and how they got in there. We've had stories of their interpretation of what dark mode means to them. So the world is your oyster right now. Yeah. I have a bunch of kind of crazy ones, but one that came to mind right away was, uh, back 22 years ago when I was getting, going to college at university of Michigan. And I had known I wanted to go there since I was about five years old. Cause I always went to their sporting events and was a super fan and had my best friend that I grew up next to. And we said we were going to room together starting when we were little kids and everything came to fruition. And they were very strict with their rooming policies, like what you get in what dorm you live in and who you live with and stuff like that. We wanted to live together and we didn't want anyone else in the room and we wanted a particular dorm. And it's very hard to get all three of those things. And, uh, but you were guaranteed to get like one of the top three choices that you made or something. So our top three choices, we put each other as roommates. We said that we were each smokers that wanted non-smoking roommates, which is impossible. And then we put the, you're guaranteed to get one of your top seven dorms or something. So we put the dorm we wanted and six all girls dorms. So we figured that they were going to put us, you know, in the dorm we wanted. So we ended up being one of four rooms in the entire dorm that only had two people in it. And all the others were star athletes. And so we ended up rooming together in the perfect dorm with just the two of us because we went dark mode on the application process, engineered it the way that we wanted it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Again, the social engineering, good job. It's easy to just get into outcomes. But then it ended up being the athlete storm and they would pull the fire alarm like every single night. So we would always hide in our room when they're clearing the dorms. We'd always have to like, they'd do flashlights all the way out the windows. So we'd always have to hide so we wouldn't have to go outside in the freezing cold for every fire alarm at three in the yeah. morning. <laughs> Nothing worse than a 3 a.m. fire alarm. They did it all the time. But that's, I, I guess that's my dark mode story. Nice. Love that. That's a great, that's a great dark mode story, John. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I, I'm still sweating, but I think I survived. And I'm <laughs> that's been awesome. Yeah. Computer in the trash can right after. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unplug it. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it out. Thanks very much for joining us, John. It's been a pleasure. We love your energy. I'm excited for Ben to take the baton with all of the brilliant drawings and QR coding up the place, but it's been an absolute pleasure and look forward to our next banter over the LinkedIn platform. So thanks very much for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'll clean up the page that I made for you also. So you can start using it if you want. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be thanks, great. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you both.